episode of the corner of gray street podcast four years of the podcast uh me and uh bruce have been putting this on for what seems sometimes like longer than that sometimes shorter than that it's crazy it's been a fun ride um but there's a lot to talk about in this episode dmb and dave uh hitting up new york and uh and hartford um we're gonna get into that we have a a correspondent that was on the ground in forest hills the special guest friend of the pod that uh he's he's way up bruce's alley so i'm gonna let bruce bruce take it from here yeah thanks nolan and thank you everybody obviously for listening for those four years or if you just hopped on this episode uh welcome because if you hopped on because of brian welcome to a different side of the music world sort of uh not really like fish but uh fish adjacent we'll we'll go potentially um but this is uh yeah friend of the pod uh brian weinstein brian nice to have you on he's on the attendance bias podcast and he has just started i guess this week with another mini podcast for these guys right here uh so brian thanks for joining us and why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh about your podcast that you do now and uh the mini goose one that i guess you're uh you know passing the torch when fish goes on you'll start a goose pod Sure, maybe. I don't know about that. I think there already is one. There already is one. Uh, but I will say, no, and something that did not come up in our goose episodes on attendance bias was how annoying I think the goose chant <laughs> is and how old it gets super quick. Uh, but I wasn't there to criticize. I was there to learn. Uh, anyway, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you both for having me. It really is a pleasure to be here. Uh, I haven't really talked about Dave Matthews band in an extremely long time. So this is going to be, I think, very fun for me. Uh, so I appreciate it again. Uh, anyone listening on the corner of Gray Street, my name is Brian Weinstein. I host a podcast called Attendance Bias, which is almost but not entirely exclusively about the band Fish, P-H-I-S-H. But it's not even about Fish. It's more about the fans. So the tagline is Fish fans tell a story about a meaningful show that they've seen. So very basically, I have anyone who's been to a fish show come on the podcast. We talk about either a certain jam or a single song that they've played or an entire show. And the guest tells us about their experience as a fish fan. We talk about fish in context of when their chosen show is played. And then we kind of do a musical breakdown. And then wherever else the conversation takes us, uh, we were lucky enough to have Bruce on the podcast about a year, year and a half ago. Uh, Bruce, you chose to talk about December 5th, 2009 at John Paul Jones Arena. Uh, and that was a really fun episode. So if anyone here who's a corner of Gray Street aficionado, make the switch over and scroll back a little bit. You could hear Bruce talk about fish as well. And I agree, by the way, with your uh, description as fish adjacent or Dave Matthews adjacent, <laughs> I think. And that'll be part of my, uh, I had that thought a lot uh, at Forest Hills. Yeah, man. And DMB fans should know uh, John Paul Jones 
very, very well, obviously being in Charlottesville, UVA campus, and where um, DMB has played quite a few important shows, including kind of the grand opening of JPJ back in 06. So um, obviously that was Nolan and I's second and third, well, Nolan's third and fourth, I think, maybe even more than that. It's like, he was way ahead of me uh, in DMB shows, but back in 06 there, and then a few years later, I got to see my first fish show and then talked all about it with Brian, uh, just like I said, a year or so ago. Um, and yeah, that was a ton of fun. So thanks, man. But what we're here to do today is get all of your thoughts about not only the Forest Hill show that you attended last week, which looked super cool, the venue, um, but kind of your background with DMB, uh, last time you saw a show and kind of what brought you back into, why do I want to see this band again? Well, I'll take the last part first. The last time I saw Dave Matthews band was April 13th, 2002 in Buffalo Ooh. when I was in college. And so that was almost about 21 years, if my math is right, uh, between that show and the show last week in Forest Hills. Uh, how I got into Dave Matthews, it was a real long time ago. I first got into them in 1994 or 1995 when Under the Table and Dreaming was on its ascent up to the top of the pop rock world. And what would you say became a radio hit and an MTV hit, you know, with the sideways letter blocks turning, I could picture the video in my mind now. And, uh, and I was also just starting to play the drums. So while I was getting into the drums and I heard this song that has, I would still argue the best drummer alive uh, behind the kid. I said, well, I want to hear more about this band. And I remember being in the car with my friend Dave and his mom was driving. I was only about 12 years old or 13 and his middle name is Matthew. So when the Z100 <laughs> in New York, the, you know, the top 40 top rock DJ came on and said, oh, that was what would you say by Dave Matthews? And his mom got a real kick out of that because, oh, David, that's your band. And so right away, <laughs> you know, that was that was real cute. That's like my earliest core memory of hearing about Dave Matthews band. Uh, my first show was at Jones Beach which they're playing later this summer. And I did a little research that was on June 9th, 1996. And so that was on their tour to promote crash. And I remember buying a shirt. I remember that their opening band was Ben Harper and the innocent criminals, which was an amazing set in their own right. You know, it's something I've learned about Dave Matthews, although it's not true this tour, I guess, but in my earliest days that they always had killer opening bands. So Ben Harper oh, yeah. really set the tone for being there for the right reasons and it was just a great show. It was very heavy on material from Crash. And I looked up the set list. I don't want to bore your listeners by reading the whole thing, but I would imagine old school, hardcore Dave Matthews Band fans, if they looked at this set list or if they went to a show in 2023 and saw this, they would be in ecstasy. Oh, it's yeah. just every song on here is <laughs> yeah. amazing. You know, it opens with number 41 and to say goodbye. Maybe I will read it. Two-step, Crash Into Me, Drive In, Drive Out, Seek Up. Lionar Graves, Too Much, Jimmy Thing, Granny, Cry Freedom, Dancing Nancys. Uh, then it rained for a little bit, and Dave Matthews spoke about that. Warehouse, Proudest Monkey, Satellite, Number 36, Ants Marching, and the Encore was all along the Watchtower. Damn. Yeah, the internet would burn if they did that now. Right? Yeah. I, I just, as I was reading this, and this was just the other day, I was scrolling to find it, and I was like, holy moly. Like, like the, every song that's listed spoke to my member berries you know from south park my nostalgia center it's just <laughs> wow that what a time to see dave matthews band and so i was sold 
right after that. I even wrote in my notes, even looking at that set list now is exciting. And that was right in my transition. I think I was 13 years old or turning 14. That was right in my transition from top 40 and mainstream music like Z100 to more underground. Like I was getting into fish at that time. I was getting into, even though Pearl Jam was a big, uh, big mainstream act, they were a little different from the top pop acts at the time. You know, they were a little cooler, at least to me. And so Dave Matthews kind of fit in that popular, but not for teeny boppers, in, in my opinion, at least in 1996. And so they they also came from this like jam band pedigree where Trey Anastasio from Fish and Dave Matthews band were already close. You know, Trey Anastasio had guested on stage with them and they knew each other. So for, from my perspective, even if they were that popular, which when I was 14, I was probably at my most judgmental. Uh, I was I'm like, all right, but they're cool. They fit. They're in. And so I was like, these guys are awesome. And after Watchtower, I had never heard anything like that live. I saw them about a, a year later, also at Jones Beach in 97, uh, this time with Bela Fleck and the Flecktones opening. And so uh -huh. you go from Ben Harper and Bela Fleck. It's like, this is a band you cannot miss the opener. Unbelievable, Jesus. Uh, wow. right? And then during the set, they, they appeared a little bit more, uh, a little bit more charismatic, a little bit more confident, even though they weren't new in 96. 97 just seemed to be this like top of the world Dave Matthews band. And not only that, but during the show, Bela Fleck came on to play with Lionheart Graves. And I think it was during, let me see if I have this, uh, Ants Marching, he was on there again. Uh, Seek up and John Popper came on for Seek up. John Popper from Blues Traveler. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I, I wow. didn't know he ever guessed it on Seek up. And so it was this, this like golden age, at least in my perspective, that they were Dave Matthews Band was. It was cool to like them, and it was top of the. They were at their top talent, and I was so young, and I was just getting into this world where I could listen to music that's not on the radio, and it's still good. So to me, they spoke to the very deepest heart of my passion, my passion for music as I'm still learning to play the drums. And Carter Beaufort is unstoppable. Uh, the last time I saw them for a while was December 3rd, 1998. And that was at MSG, Madison Square Garden. They played two consecutive nights. And it was this time that my taste got a little turned off to them. This was when they were promoting before these crowded streets. And I remember I didn't have good seats, but I was toward the 300s. And I remember looking around, so I was 15 by this point, and there were lots and lots and lots of teenage girls with little backpacks screaming for crash into me. And I remember <laughs> looking around and again, at my most judgmental in my mid-teens saying, I love this music, but this scene is maybe not for me. And mm. so I kind of swore off Dave Matthews because that was too cool for the room in 1998. Uh, but so I guess around the time Every Day came out, I was like, I'll see what what's there, but I'm not going out of my way to go see them like I had the previous few years. Um, and then so skip fast forward a couple of years later, 2002, my roommate in college had been a member of the warehouse for years and years and years. So Dave Matthews was playing at the HSBC Arena. That's in Buffalo, wherever, whatever it's called now. And so we got like 12th row from the stage. We got like amazing, nice. amazing seats. And wow. this time it was Robert Randolph and the family band opening. And I was like, oh my God, who are these guys? And yeah. so 
you know, they have like a flawless, they're batting a thousand Dave Matthews band is for me for catching opening bands. And I remember they opened with when the world ends and it seemed that they had like this perfect mix of old songs at the time, newer songs and just putting on a great show. And that was the last time I saw, I guess what we could call the classic DMB lineup. And then by that point, I was just so into jam bands. This like neo jam band scene was having kind of a renaissance where you could see great improvisational live music any night of the week for like 15 bucks and never get bored and see different styles every night. So for me, Dave Matthews was kind of, eh, they're, they're fine on their own. They're too commercial. I'm not that interested. So that was me for about 20 years. That's a long time. (laughs) Yeah, it is. You know, it really blew my mind when the Forest Hills Stadium schedule came out for this summer. And I live in Forest Hills. I live about, yeah, like literally a three minute walk to the stadium. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful area of Queens in New York City. And they're also playing at Jones Beach later this summer. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of, Mm -hmm. they're kind of saturating the market here. But it, it just seemed like a no brainer. When I saw them, um, it should be said that this Forest Hill Stadium, this is a huge get to have Dave Matthews Band play here because, you know, they can play stadiums, they play sheds, they play these big um, arenas. And usually Forest Hills, we get good shows here, but they're not. They're a little more niche. They're not as like big brand name artists that anyone you bring them up to would recognize. So, for example, like LCD Sound System is playing and I know they're very popular, but, you know, I don't know if you can go up to anyone and say, name two LCD sound system songs. No. The answer not. would probably be no. Right. No. But Dave Matthews Band, if you were around in the mid-90s or after, you know who they are. So this was a huge get. Um, when I saw they were playing, I thought this is going to be the social event of the season. I want to see what they're up to and what they sound like. It's been two decades. It's a three-minute walk to from my apartment to the stadium. And all the shows there end at 10 p.m. because it's a residential neighborhood. Ah, so everything oh. just lined up perfectly. That explains it. I checked <laughs> the set. I was like, how's the show over? What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> you, you think it's going to go on for another 30 minutes or an hour or whatever uh, based on typical curfews. But yeah, it was over super early. And, and Sirius XM was streaming the show, obviously, too. Um, and I think it like you look back and you're like, why is a th- Four, or like uh, half of the show or whatever over at yeah. like 8 30 <laughs> but, but um, that's a regular length set i would guess right right yeah i mean actually yeah Wait for two and a half hours yeah what exactly time they started at what they time? started at 10 after seven okay yeah yeah they've been yeah, starting around 7 40 most places so there's that there's that about 30 minute difference uh, 10 p.m. curfew there, and they've been in and around 10:30 uh, a lot of times. Other places they used to play up to 11, um, but and start at like 8:15 to 8:30 sometimes. Even though yeah. they oh, started yeah. late, um, and they had openers so, back then too. Yeah, yeah, no more openers, so no opener this time, Brian. Um, and uh, so you don't have anything else to um boost the experience did you have any like pre-show oh. warm-up did you oh, have absolutely. any okay absolutely i just wanted to give a little bit of my background like just so anyone listening kind of knows where i'm coming from that Dude, i'm not give as, as much as info probably... as you want it is awesome <laughs> I'll, I'll name more set lists from 1997 um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'd be into that i don't know if others would be right right but uh yeah no i um i was very excited for this show i really was because as much as the crowd turned me off way back in 1998, 
everyone's so much older than we used to be. You know, it's such a different, it's the same crowd, but totally different. So the way that Forest Hills is, so it's a part of Queens. It's not too far from City Field for any baseball fans. And it's a residential neighborhood. So it's a lot of houses, townhouses, and really just one apartment building in which I live. And when you get off the train, most people I would imagine take either the subway or the Long Island Railroad to get to Forest Hills. The train lets out almost literally right in front of this very beautiful, quaint area of town called Station Square. And it's kind of, it looks like Hobbiton from the Lord <laughs> of the Rings. It really does. Everything is Tudor houses with, with brick streets. And it looks, it was designed back in 1906 to look like an English garden. And there are very strict regulations on changing the appearance. So when you get out, you've gone back in time when you get out of the train. But the best thing is the train, not the train, the uh, the city closes down that whole area to automobile traffic. And they allow open containers as well. So there are bars, restaurants, uh, be, uh, just places to hang out, benches, uh, with Ivy sometimes coming off the walls for you to meet up with your friends. I had friends who came and they brought, you know, just a bunch of like, uh, like fresh direct bags, basically like not quite uh tote bags, but almost tote bags, just with a bunch of cold beers to hang out. You don't have to worry about the police catching you. You don't have to deal with the red cup nonsense like you do in parking lots of a lot of these summer venues. And it was just the best vibes in the world because everyone was a little bit more chill than I remember the last time I went to a Dave Matthews show, uh, but everyone was just as excited. And I did notice quite a lot of fish hats or Grateful Dead steal your face skull shirts, which I know I could just tell us deadheads have a sense which are the ones that are on sale at Target now and which ones people have worn for their for years. And these are people who are fans of the music. Also a fair amount of goose shirts, by the way, it should be noted, Bruce. Awesome. So it, yeah. So it was very exciting to be there. It's my hometown venue. Uh, when you walk into the stadium, it's a, it's a former tennis court. The Forest Hill Stadium is where the U.S. Open used to be held. And so, if you ever watch the Royal Tenenbaums, that film, there's a scene where one of the characters, Richie Tenenbaum, a former tennis player, has a complete meltdown on the court. Yeah. It was filmed there. Oh, so I didn't when know you, that. Yeah. So when you walk in, there's astroturf all over the ground, which immediately kind of sets this tone where it's not mm. concrete. You know, you could sit down if you need to. Uh, all of the concessions are local restaurants opening a little booth. You know, oh, so, so it's cool. not just the regular chicken fingers and fries for $40. And, and, it's, and it's a horseshoe-shaped stadium. The stage is very large. It's attached to a tennis club, a private tennis club. So you could see people playing tennis in the back. <laughs> behind the stage because it's the wow. season now right in their tennis yeah. whites and if you get close enough to the top which is where my seats were you can see the skyline of new york city behind it's wow, like a magical sick. venue it's a magical venue did you take any good pictures i did not but my friends did um i'm not i don't have the instinct to take pictures uh, as far as like instagram goes i'm more of a consumer than a producer Gotcha. So if you guys have uh, like show notes or anything where you could post them, I'll see if I can get some to you. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. That's but funny. It, was also we, uh, cloudy. it looked like just 
I mean, such a cool venue. I saw some like videos of people walking around before going in. And I mean, like you said, transported back in time. And uh, it's funny, we, cause our last show was also at a tennis stadium. And I noticed the, uh, the ground just still was still the clay. Like they didn't put anything on top of it, uh, which I thought was weird, but um, kind of cool to see them in uh, like a smaller venue. Um, I know. I think ours was about 8,000. How many is, is Forest Hills? Do you know? Well, well, Forest Hills, it looks small because of the way it's designed. It's kind of like the Greek theater in Berkeley, California, in that kind of semicircle horseshoe, but it's large, including the floor. I think it's about 13,000. Okay. And Jones awesome. Beach is 15,000. So it's really yeah. not that big a difference. Uh, yeah. But having been a lifelong New Yorker, I grew up on Long Island, moved to New York to Queens, which is part of New York City. Uh, they're they're almost serving two different uh, two different fan bases in a weird way geographically, even though they're only like 14 miles apart. That is incredible. I hadn't thought about it like that. It seemed... My one of my buddies, friend of the podcast, Alex, uh, could not attend. He was so mad. He's like, dude, it's so easy to get to. You just take the take the subway and get off right there. Um, so maybe maybe they'll make a a return visit and uh we can take the podcast there and and meet up. That'd be that would be amazing. Um why don't we why don't we start going through the set and why don't you walk us through your impressions, uh the opener. I'm already jealous of one of the songs that you got. I'm not happy about it um, <laughs> because we didn't get it. And uh, so, yeah, what what do you think of the start of the show? I loved it. I was also with my friend Robin and her friend Tiffany. And Tiffany feels about Dave Matthews Band the way I feel about Fish. So I felt very comfortable, like leaning over to her and asking, "Hey, what did I miss in the past 21 years?" You know, whenever they played a song, I didn't recognize, but. They actually played a lot of older songs. When I say older, I mean songs that I'm familiar with, at least. I would say since Busted Stuff, that's kind yeah. of where the the Lily White sessions, that's kind of where I started to trail off. Uh, mm -hmm. But when they opened with One Sweet World, I felt home. I felt right at home. I felt like I hadn't missed anything. And I looked around and I didn't say it out loud, but I had the thought, man, everyone just looks so much older. And <laughs> completely unaware, self-unaware that... God, I'm just talking about myself. Like I'm 20 years older too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but once we rolled, brought me right back to being whether high school, college, uh, right after college, and seeing what Dave Matthews Band is up to. Back to uh, when they released that ice cream uh, for Ben and Jerry's, yeah. Yeah. and it just I felt at home right away. So one sweet world was a wonderful opener, and when the world ends, opened my previous show in Buffalo. Yep. And following up with busted stuff, so I felt. And then uh, Pantala Naga and Rapunzel. It was this opening, this like opening quintet of five songs made me feel like I had, I felt like I was in the right place. Like I, I shouldn't have been doing anything else that night. Yeah, they didn't even play, you know, they just released an album um, and no songs from the new album until, uh, I mean, if you count Pantala, six songs in, um, which is, I guess kind of standard more for them, but a lot, you know, a lot of bands don't do that. Um, and sometimes they don't do that, but that's kind of interesting. And it's really cool to hear the perspective, like from where you're from, if you have like you and then a jaded vet, who's like, I only want old songs. Y'all are both happy. <laughs> and it's like, y'all are both 20 years and all these shows and songs apart, but you like, 
meet in the middle and you can hug and everything during busted stuff, even though we didn't get to hear it. And that's the, probably the song <laughs> no one's mad about. Definitely is. Yeah. Oh. Skipped, skipped Wilmington and Charleston. And then it happens. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll never see that song ever. Ever, oh, ever, had ever. someone else see it tonight and we're going to be mad about it next week. Oh, they played it tonight. Yeah. And they open with win the world ends tonight. <laughs> they did. They love that song. huh? They love it. Yeah, apparently man. Wild. Um, yeah. So any, anything, you know, you, you say you felt at home and stuff and you're like, wow, playing a bunch of old songs. So how, how was the music too? I know you're a big, you know, you obviously have a keen ear. You, you listen to a ton of music um, and you you know good music. Did did anything catch you through those first few songs? Um, or was it more so just kind of like more of a blur and you didn't even really be able to, you know, get an earworm or something like that? No, well, the, the first thing that occurred to me, first I was in this nostalgia cloud. Sure. So that was just straight heart and soul, the first five or so songs that I really, I was just, Oh, and this one, and this one, and this one. And <laughs> I was, I was hugging strangers, you know, thrilled to be there, thrilled to be alive. And then when they started playing the newer songs with which I'm unfamiliar, what really caught my eye, because remember, I haven't heard this iteration of Dave Matthews band of the lineup. And I thought Tim Reynolds adds so much. Yes. Oh my God. And I know he's mm-hmm. not by a lot, the most recent member. I know he's not, but to have this straight electric guitar that adds the backbone of this band is like, that's where my ear kept drifting song after song after song from where I was, uh, was on the side of the, uh, the horn players. And so mm-hmm. I was literally side stage and all the way up too. So that took a little bit of adjustment, but I also had a perfect view of Carter Beaufort. So I was looking at him, but I was listening to Tim Reynolds for the most part. And that's really where my ear went every time. And I thought this band is more full than I've ever heard them play before. That's all you need a view of. I just look at Carter right? and Tim the whole time for the most part. They're that's just, unreal. They're ridiculous. Um, okay, so now there's a stretch of like uh, five or six newer songs that you're probably unfamiliar with. Do you remember well, any of. general impressions? Well, sort of, because uh, looking for a van in Mad Men's eyes, I knew just, I just had a sense. I knew that those were the new songs. Hmm. And I don't know how I knew. You know, like you could just tell sometimes. It's like, oh, this must be the new song because maybe there wasn't just an immediate huge crowd roar or something, but something just fundamentally said, all right, this must be a new one. I like them both. I like them both. They're lighter than I thought they would be. Um, For some reason, I... I think that newer Dave Matthews band tends to be a little bit more dark and emotional. I could be very wrong with that. That's just an instinct I have, but they seem very light and listenable. And I'm very interested in checking this album out. And it felt classic in that way where a band tours to promote the new album. It worked on me this time. So I like that, but funny the way it is, isn't that new, is it? 14 Um, years at this point. Right, right. That's not that new. No, but I didn't know if with your fandom, if you were familiar uh with that one or why i am um two big whiskey songs um but i do agree with you that like those looking for a vein madman's eyes walk around the moon have just they're just like classic dmb sounding songs especially live like we talked about it um after seeing them in charleston and 
every new song just about we were like it just fits right in with everything else and that's not always the case with their new stuff so i, I like that uh we kind of had the same impression of that um yeah but also and on that i think the um talking about a little darker or introspective uh songs from dave have really more so popped up on this album mm. um or some of the ones over the last several years um and I, yeah I, I wouldn't even say that some of the albums were overly uh darker until this one this one and i think uh, once you if you take a listen to the full album which is pretty short you can do it in like 45 minutes or less um yeah. that that it really feels that way kind of throughout obviously songs um, you know, Madman's that one is loud. That one gets you going. And I think you saw um, another one that's a little louder and and faster later on. But, um, you know, for the most part, a little slower and a little bit more. You know, if you listen to this and you kind of are in your feels a little bit, Dave might be making you cry. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> given it the motive good. sense. And something that also just as far as far as a big general impression is something that Bruce, you and I spoke about on my podcast was I was so impressed with the flow, with how well this show was paced, where it wasn't, all right, we're going to play a new one. It was, I mean, although he, I think Dave Matthews did say at some point, we're going to play a little bit of that, a little bit of this, you know, some of the old ones, some of the new ones. He said yeah. something like that, but he didn't make it a point to say this is a new song. And so for me, who's pretty unfamiliar with newer stuff, it was really comfortable to hear this, the whole show as one long set when I'm used to two, uh, one long set where the flow was just perfect. Like I didn't want to go to the bathroom at any point or get a drink at any point. I didn't want to leave my seat. And this sounds very uh, like hyperbolic, like it's over the top, but it was, I did, I walked in not knowing what to expect and I felt much better than those minimal or non expectations that I had. That's awesome. Yeah, Sometimes then, I wish we could look at the show that way. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'd give anything to see fish for the first time again. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I know. Just oh. have those feelings where you don't know what to expect and you don't care what's coming and you just enjoy every moment of it as opposed to, you know, us where we may be chasing like two songs in the whole catalog or something, you know, stuff like that. And, um, or if they play a rare one, like a few shows before, if it hits just perfect, like five shows before they might play it again. And if they don't, you feel disappointed, you know, all the silliness. Um, and you dip it in nostalgia too, even though yeah. this was, even though they are not, I don't want to give the wrong impression. I don't see Dave Matthews band as a nostalgia act because they are, I don't think so from what I saw, mm -hmm. but it's still there because they've been around for so long. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. And the but turning did, point uh, of the show. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Turning point uh, with the, the rain. Turning point I, I think... of the show. Yeah, JTR. About halfway <laughs> yeah. through, that was definitely the turning point of the show because it was a beautiful evening. Beautiful evening, but far, far off. I think north, you could see this big, big, big gray like horizon expanse. Just well, but that's far away. And as it came closer, it just started to drip, drip, drip. And then right before JTR, uh, during the end of Walk Around the Moon, it rained very hard, like physically hard. And it hailed, too. My oh. friend Robin had bits of hail in her hair and on her shoulders. So oh this God. was, yeah, and it it, it kind of had the sense, because it's the summer, almost the summer. It had the sense that it's like, it can't last this long. It, it can't last, it can't be this hard for that long. You know, it, it just, 
you say almost as a prayer. You know, it's like this, it just can't maintain. The center can't hold. It's too yeah. much rain, too much weather. But I didn't know about this. I had to read up after the fact that the fans were chanting for this song, JTR. So aside from the um, the chorus of the rain, rain down on me, what's, is there a story behind this song that I was heretofore un, unfamiliar with? That's no. just, it's just the rain it. song. The, yeah, the lyrics and pretty much anytime someone's like, um it's a it's a rare song they don't play it too much um and that's kind of what the crowd does is anytime it rains they kind of start chanting for it or if it calls for rain you'll see somebody on the message board maybe you'll get jtr tonight and it's like no you no you won't like you just won't and then y'all did so that's awesome um and it was good happened to, happened to us one time 2019 in charlotte uh, oh yeah we had to delay mid-show for yeah big an delay. hour or two hours it was in the whole time delay. The whole time we're like, dude, JTR, it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. Sure enough. Um, and they teased it to open another Charlotte show, 2013. Teased yeah, it to I open mean, after a monsoon. That always so, happens in the mid-Atlantic in the summer. It's always Merriweather yeah. Post or Charlotte. It always big summer June storm. Uh, but it when it started hailing real hard, uh, me and my two friends, neither of us had any sense that we were going anywhere. We were just put our hoods up and just the people who were there who were staying were just really psyched to still be there because the energy, if you listen to the recording, really gets pushed up. And then they laid it down to make a very sweet ballad with you and me, which everyone was, you know, arms around each other and swaying and singing <laughs> along. And it's more yeah. nostalgic for me because I know that one, too. I, I was curious. I was going to ask you about that kind of um transition what you thought thought about that flow you already kind of touched on it you love the flow because when i listened um was listening to the show i actually switched over from the the serious like recording uh to uh to the fan one um i think well regardless whatever it was um i remember listening and the energy coming out of jtr and then when you and me started i was just like man that was that's perfect spot for that um, you know, and it's crowd pops every time that is played. Um, and for it being kind of a more quiet song or, or a love song, whatever. Um, I thought that that was just like perfect spot for it. Jaded vets. We, I roll, but we all kind of love it secretly. You know, you love it out there. Any of you that are like, yeah, you and me or whatever you say, you love it. You just, what did we say? Just... What do we say in Charleston? We were like, if this song was came out pre 2000, everyone would absolutely love it. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, music's That's good. Lyrics are fine and yeah. it's fun and everyone loves it. Like it, like Brian said, it brings everyone together kind of thing. It's a so. sing along too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just, yeah. Belt it out. So, Was that the Lily White sessions? You and me? No, Big, Big Whiskey. Whiskey. Another. Big Whiskey. Um, wow. All right. So I know, I know a new song. All right. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So I, I was curious how <laughs> what, what it was like. And it seemed like that you thought that that was perfect placement. So that's awesome. I thought so. Yeah. I thought it was because by the time I was right, by the way, it was only like a five minute heavy storm, but it was heavy. Uh, but it really did just last five minutes. And by the time they started, you and me, people were filtering back in the people who left to mm -hmm. get shelter. Uh, they were kind of back in by the beginning of you and me. So it was kind of a welcome back. We just played. You know, the song that everyone wanted to hear. So yeah. get comfortable, reintroduce yourself to your neighbors sort of thing. That's awesome. And then following up you and me, I thought, I mean, like you said, the flow here is great. Uh, changing up with 
another new song the only thing my favorite off the new album i think it just absolutely rocks followed by jimmy thing brick house i mean i feel like the tempo is is picking up here a little bit and the second half of this set is is money it is i flipped out uh during jimmy thing big time uh it was i mean it's my favorite when i was first getting into fish because i knew dave matthews before i got into fish i got a tape uh from i get this date right i think it's january 25th or january 26th 1995 at the burlington memorial arena or whatever their their big center is uh dave matthews who was their show but trey came on uh during I think it's uh, either Jimmy thing or all along the watchtower. And then later that year, Trey came on again in New York city to play the other one, whatever this, the other song was. And I remember um, when I think about Jimmy thing, it's like the classic Dave Matthews band song to me. Other than like ants marching, which is obvious, right? That the radio hit Jimmy thing is kind of like, Oh, that's the one that if you're just there, like the, the frat boy might not know. Jimmy thing is like, the if you know you know early dave matthews band song at the time <laughs> and i loved it and it kind of proved to me that they can still jam because i had my doubts going in i thought that they were kind of a pre-packaged like they've been around so long they could just play any show and the fans love them mm. jimmy thing proved me i mean i was loving it i was having a good time i don't want to give the wrong impression but jimmy thing kind of proved that they still have their jamming bona fides I wish they did it more, man. They they definitely do, and they have it in them. Um, Jimmy Thing obviously lets them extend out a little, um, and you got a couple of more uh, slightly jammed out songs too uh, yeah. later on. Uh, not too many in the show. They don't do too many anymore. Um, they rein it in, like you said. They do kind of not pretty package, but they rein it in. They keep it tight. Um, but yeah, you're right. The improv there is always a blast. Um, and, you know, Jimmy Thing's gotten hated on a lot over the last 10, 15 years just because it's played a lot. They would play kind of the same cover right after it. They've switched up the covers the last few years and played several. This year they're doing uh, Brick House here. Um, but like you said, man, I mean, pretty much even the people that say that they don't like it, that's another one where it's like you're screaming, you're singing the lyrics, you are dancing in the middle of that. You're <laughs> loving the horn trade-offs, Tim. So you're loving it. Like just pipe down everyone loves it i think one of the things that happened all right it would always get played late in the set and oh. it was always super long for i mean which is what i love years, you yes but then all right it's long and then a long outro of i mean just the same cover for like a decade sexy mfr yeah so it used to be for what it's worth and then turned into sexy mfr and they just beat that into the ground and like bruce said been changing it up i wanted to comment you were right january 26 1995 first time trey anastasio guested guested on jimmy thing recently into water into wine into ants marching so oh. it was a nine song show um <laughs> 2700 in attendance so that's epic um but yeah, so is Jimmy thing. And uh, the next couple I, songs too. 41, I, I they jam I, a little bit there. Yeah, I was just going to say to add on to it, I think the other one was February 24th, 95. And that was in Roseland Ballroom. 
uh, where Trey Ooh. came on to play with Jimmy thing. And it's just, those were formative tapes for me. Those were mm. kind of like, I knew Dave Matthews band was good. I know fish was good. Now hearing them together is like that. Those were tapes that never left my Volvo. My 1990 Volvo GLE, <laughs> they were with the tape deck. They never left because I always wanted to listen to those tracks over and those shows over and over again. But yeah, then, that's just beside the point. Go back to 94, and I believe it was DMB opening for Fish in Winston Salem. And what the uh, Roy is just like going nuts uh, on the saxophone on those. It's it just it was it was a time. <laughs> it was it was yeah. the time to be alive, but yeah, the next couple songs I actually missed. It could happen uh, because a friend I was with. I don't know what uh, how uh, explicit we could be on this podcast, but she ate some stuff and it started disagreeing with her. Then, so I had to oh, kind of no. walk around the concourse with her and just do a um, an evaluation. Where she's like, I, I don't think I can stay. I think I have to go. And I said, All right. Do you know how to get to the train? Do you know where the train is? Are you okay? And she was just a little, she was, she said the way she put it was, I can't go back in there. There's too much going on in there. <laughs> and I don't, I've all been there. Uh, I've happen. been there. I think we've all been there. It could happen. It's a roulette wheel sometimes. So I had to do my evaluation of her as her friend uh, by the end of it could happen. And I was so happy once I gave her a sober check to make sure she was sober enough to leave the show. We got back in and once they started warehouse again, it was like come, sinking into a warm pillow, like a kick-ass warm pillow. <laughs> yes. That, that is, is the so vibe. funny. Yeah. But oh, man, we didn't get warehouse in, in Charleston either. And they, that's just one that they, they play a lot, but they just, it's an, as a fan in every show, kind of thing where you can see it at any portion of a show and you're just like, man, that was perfect. Oh yes. Warehouse. And yeah, that is Beast. such a money spot for it too. Really is. And then they play uh, the song that really kind of <laughs> made you a super fan, right? Crash. The it song that the, Dave says he won't song. play anymore, but he does. It wasn't the song. It was the fans. It wasn't yep. the song. Cause I like this song, uh, but luckily in our forties, most, most of the female fans don't wear tiny backpacks anymore. <laughs> uh, no one was screaming for it. So it, it fell in very naturally. I still scream for it. So oh there are God. people out there that still do. <laughs> well, I hope they did this night. And I am glad for them that they got it. I've also mellowed out since I was 15 years old and super judgy. So no one forced me out. Oh, I love it. Of your own will. Um... That's right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you might die trying uh, to close out the set. Uh, nice jam on here that really packs a punch. Um, one of their better songs from the mid two thousands. Yeah, Tim destroys. Uh, they all get into it, and then I think you got one of the more. You probably have the most unique encore of the tour so far. Uh, three full band songs, um, monsters added to the set list um which is amazing we were just looking at this and so mad that they cut songs from our uh night one show in charleston and then they added two songs um <laughs> to this one i think they swapped out seek up for funny the way it is which is a crime oh criminal but, uh, 
Yeah, terrible. But Monsters, Granny, Crush, Stop the podcast. Encore. I'm done. Stop <laughs> it. Uh, first time Crush have been played in the Encore. Oh, that's in fun. In five years. Um, yeah, but not ever. Uh, so, yeah, that's a fun Encore. I would have been... I would have been having a great time with that one. And the cool thing about encores at this venue, particularly the bands always go on early because there is a curfew. And in the summer, that's especially strange because the sun doesn't really go down until like 10 after eight. So it feels like the show just started when it's really an hour in. And so the strange thing with this encore is if they probably plan to play like one song, they look at the clock that's on stage. They go, all right, we have until 10 p.m. So they probably went on for the encore, I would guess, around like 9.40 or 9.45. And the show ended at like 9.56 exactly. I remember looking at my watch. So 9.56, it's it's like how many songs can we fit in and still make this curfew? And so you get some really cool encores from different bands uh, at this venue for that exact reason because they kind of slam in whatever they can. You've got like a 25 minute musical encore, like 25 minutes of music. What? Yeah. What are you doing? I mean, how? That's just, <laughs> it's I'm, absurd. I'm upset. Um, Dave, Dave has been defaulting lately to one Dave solo song and then one full band song. So you got quite the treat that three songs never happens. He's like well, broken man. the trend ever since Charleston when we saw him. So the two shows in Charleston did exactly that, basically. And then mm-hmm. after that, he's been doing this. And it's like, what do you what do you mean? Um, so, yeah, Monsters, new song. I I, I think it's such a good song. Um, it's another one that um, is really um, it's a little more bare bones on the studio, but is really good live. I don't know if you remember much about it, what you thought about it. Tim has a nice little solo in there. Um but that being kind of the E1 slot there, I think is that is money right there for me. What I remember most, and this is not really to your question. I'm sorry about that because I don't remember too much uh, specifically about that song because I didn't know it to begin with, really. But what I noticed throughout the night was Dave kept going up to the bass drum and uh, fist pounding Carter Beaufort after like every single song. <laughs> and I thought, that's amazing. That's the best thing, because when you're in a position where you could just perform and perform and just everyone's a pro on stage and they've been doing it for so long, especially the two of them, they have this, you know, mind meld ESP to just physically acknowledge in front of 13,000 plus people how happy you are is the, the literally the name of the band with your drummer who's been with you the whole way. It it just contributed to how positive the vibes were that night because it's kind of like when you see a you know guy hit a grand slam and then the dugout they're high-fiving every other player in the dugout it's it just leads to good morale and so seeing the excitement in dave matthews playing you know what otherwise is just another stop on the tour really made me happy because as a recovering drummer i really respect when a lead singer doesn't take the drummer for granted and when it's carter beaufort how could you Oh. Yeah, he they I don't think anybody takes Carter for no, granted. Yeah, best. that's no, he's a treasure he, and a national treasure. <laughs> and the band, I think, say it all the time, the band will play as long as Carter wants to play. Like that's that's how it is. You should really look up some of the 2006 two steps where Carter Beaufort 
we'll mm. like bring the song in to end it and everyone's gearing up and he's like no i'm gonna keep playing <laughs> the like jpj those... one yeah with oh. randolph with Rand- jpj with- oh, really? 2006 yeah, robert randolph one. yeah all right i'm in yeah, yeah. um and that one big time did we talk had crush ever closed a show before this we talked about it was in the encore but we texted about it yeah, it said, um, that may have been the first time it ever closed a full band show, which is let's see. I mean, it, it, it even if it wasn't, it never does. I mean, I saw that and I was like, ah, they'll play something stupid after it, like real short because I didn't look at hadn't looked at the whole set. I just saw it like pop up on my phone. And I was like, no way, they're they're not going to close with this because you just wouldn't think about it. Um, so leave talking about you know Dave yeah. fist pounding Carter. That is like the Carter song at the end. Uh, Tim and Carter just kind of rip it. I, I would assume you stayed for the very end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So what was that like? Obviously, Crush, huge fan favorite. But being able to see basically the two people that you uh, were staring at and listening to the whole night, Carter and Tim, tear up last song of the night and bring it to a huge crescendo. It, well, the very ending where Carter Beaufort is just doing those fills and fills and fills, that was enthralling. That was it kind of brought it back to full circle to the first song. I know one sweet world isn't the same vibe uh, in terms of tone, but it was kind of like, I felt very comfortable at the beginning. And at the end, it kind of reminded me of drive in drive out where it's, if you have your eyes on the drummer, you're going to be planted wherever you are. You're not going to want to even blink because you might miss something. And so I, I was just as thrilled when it ended as I was when it began. Oh yeah, that ending is it's like our favorite thing almost that DMB does. Um oh, true one of yeah, it's every single time you're it's another song where you're like, I could see it every single show, and every single time you just think that was the best you know, one that I've seen, even though it's not, but you, you just <laughs> feel like every time that Carter just how is he doing that? He's like 65 years old. <laughs> it's impossible. He's an alien. Hey man, Tim. So it's Tim. Like actually, Tim's an alien. <laughs> That's why okay. I live in New Mexico. Okay. Crush has been played 16 times total in an encore between all iterations of Dave Matthews. This was the only time ending a full band show. So there you go. Very Boom. impressive. Very impressive. That's wild. Go, Dave. See? You want to you want to say he's a nostalgia act, you you jaded losers? <laughs> Look at that. How about that for a stat? That's pretty cool, though, to see, um, you know, that's a that's a song, obviously, you were familiar with. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was one of those. I mean, it's just it just kind of feels like where, um, you know, you said you felt at home. Dave was kind of like, come here, Brian. Come yeah, on I, back in. Here you go. a lot of big hugs. Yeah. And yeah. Carter was like, I'm not hugging you. I'm not hugging you. <laughs> <laughs> so you've seen Samurai. you've seen a show uh, closer crush. I've seen a tour opener crush and opening a oh. show with crush equally is awesome yeah just Amazing. get us in the same room together cross the hey. streams <laughs> need a yeah, crush you... reprise let's get a crush reprise <laughs> that was awesome all right so i mean super i mean just totally cool to hear we love hearing everyone's perspective on on the band and just like you bring somebody different on every single week we don't quite do that sometimes i wish we we did it more um but we like we like to uh 
you know, stick to our own opinions and be in our own echo chamber, I guess, too, sometimes not, no, but uh, really it's, <laughs> it's, it's really awesome to hear. So what kind of were your uh, main takeaways from the show since post-show um, and you, you've now been able to be just about a week removed from it. You've got that post-show highs come down, you know, you, you're not ready to buy all the t-shirts and posters, just, just, just anymore. Um, and will you, do you think you'll see them again further than three minute walk from your house? I think I would for sure. Uh, I, I'm not sure about the Jones beach show just because Jones beach is such a pain to get to. Uh, even though it is geographically close, it's a barrier island, so you, there's really no way to get there unless you drive, and I'm not really excited to drive an hour after a show, uh, but <laughs> if they played Madison Square Garden again, I'll be there. Um, I hope next summer, if they come back to Forest Hills, I'd be there. Um, if they play, I know they play SPAC pretty frequently, right? Oh, yeah, but, that's coming up um, in, a, in a month. If okay. I were if I were uh, privy to pavilion seats i would see them i've had my share of bad experiences on this back lawn i'm not don't do it no i'm not going to but but to answer your question in a one word response yes uh if they were playing farther than three minute walk from my apartment i would certainly see them again and try to get more people to come with me a SPAC one month from today uh which we're recording uh wednesday june 14th but uh yeah, July 14th is back night one, uh, obviously night two, July 15th. Uh, awesome. Well, then obviously they hooked you. Um, they've got a super fan now. Um, and as Carter continues to play into his 80s, Brian will uh, have a fish and Dave and Goose podcasts. It's going to be <laughs> incredible. Um, having He's going to knock us out of business, to be honest with you. Um, it's it's tough. He, he, he obviously is becoming an expert now. Um, awesome, man. Well, I, I just... I can't get over how cool that venue was too, um, far as Hills. But the, the set list was, I mean, if you would have told me, you know, to write down a set list, probably for you, the, a lot of those songs would be on there. Um, when you've got to do new songs and you got to try to hit almost every album, um, which a lot of us fans, we don't think the way that Dave thinks. You have to hit every single, try to hit every person in there with something. Um, and it's it's harder to write set lists than, than people may think. Well, it's admirable because a lot of bands that were very popular in the early and mid nineties are touring again now. And there's this trend now that these bands like Weezer, for example, are, and this is no slide on Weezer, you know, play however you want to play, of course, but they're playing entire sets of albums. Like they're playing 30 year anniversaries of the blue album, for example, and they'll play a set where, you know, walking in, that's what you're going to hear. And I, I obviously there's a market in that or else they wouldn't be doing it. But I have a lot of respect for the Dave Matthews band for not falling into that, where they are writing and playing new music and doing their best to fit and kind of do a mix and match of whatever they want to play from all different aspects of the last three decades or so. And hopefully pleasing, if not everyone, most people in the audience, because, you know, who if most people, if you said, oh, they're doing an under under the table and dreaming crash set, if you if they did that tour it would probably sell out just as easily as any show that they are playing this summer without, I mean, they're, I know they're promoting, but you know what I'm saying? Like they would sell out just as easily as what they're doing now. Uh, but they're not, they're not buying into that nostalgia, but in a, in a way they're providing it, but it's being provided by the listener, by me. I'm the one who's hooking onto it. They're just playing their songs and I love it. I'm much happier than I thought 
I would be uh, with the show. I didn't know what to expect, and I came out floating. That's amazing. That's that's awesome. We had another uh, friend in a recent episode who uh, had not seen the band in 20-plus years and came away with the same thing. He was like, I need to, like, how do I get to the next show? Like, what am I going to do? I need to see him again, and just was, like, geeking out over it. Um, So cool to see. Like, I love that. Um, I do have, I have one question for the listeners, an investigative uh, report. Listening to Sirius XM, Dave introduces Looking for a Vein and then goes to play it. And then they cut to the Irving Plaza version, Dave Solo from two nights before. So if whoever was there, and Brian, I don't know if you recollect but did something happen during looking for a vein is it not a good like did he mess up or what happened because they go right back into i believe madman's eyes um after that on the xm recording so if anyone knows let's let's find out let us know talking about the acoustic version when he did the show a night before or two nights before yeah they cut to that that. i don't know i wasn't there i did by the way, I did uh, subscribe, not subscribe, I am subscribed, but I did I did put Dave Matthews Radio as my favorite in hopes of getting a ticket to that show, but alas. Uh, but no, I don't know. I have no idea what happened. Okay. Well, that was that was another great show. Busy week for Dave as he hit up Howard <laughs> Stern. Uh, played, I mean, incredible versions of Madman's Eyes solo on a 12-string. Bruce, that was epic. And then he just busts out, I'll back you up and tells a really cool story about that song. Um, But man, great interview and then a great solo show. Wednesday night, Forest Hills on XM. Friday night and then Saturday they hit up Hartford and we'll just touch on just a few short highlights. Quick highlights from that song that Jane likes, Opener. Uh, First time it's open to show since May 17th, 2016. Um... Bruce, I think the other big things, typical sticking around. Um, and then an interesting way to close the set, Dancing Nancy's Into Stay. And then an encore of number 40, Tease. I haven't heard it, but Almanac says Riff played several times through. Yeah. And to Say Goodbye and then Shake Me Like a Monkey. Those are both tour debuts. Very interesting encores happening these days. Uh, so... I wouldn't leave early. You don't know what's going to happen <laughs> at the moment, Mr. Matt. Well, that's keeping and, everyone on their toes. Yeah. And that say goodbye was the first full band say goodbye since 98 in the encore. Oh, wow. um, eight, uh, eight, seven, 98 was the last time full band say goodbye. So it's just like, wow. What, what, you know, 25 years later, what made Dave just randomly do that again, highlighting Mr. Carter Beaufort. Maybe he, maybe Carter mm-hmm. gave him an extra good fist bump. And he was like, you know what? Say goodbye. Say goodbye, Carter. I'm going to, I'm going to let you, uh, I'm going to let you rock it in the encore. Um, and then, yeah, Dave had to shake everybody like a monkey there. The, the closer shake me returns as a encore closer. I'd be, uh, closing the door to my car and heading back on the road if, <laughs> if, uh, when that one shows up, but regardless, yes. uh, so that was cool for Hartford. And then tonight as we're recording Darian, another New York. I mean, your state, Brian, just get out of here with all of this. Um, so many shows, although New York's massive. So it's not like yeah, it's Darian's really far. <laughs> I bet it's like six hours. Is that more five than hours? that? It's more than that. It's it's, oh, wow. it's pretty much Buffalo. It's the Buffalo okay. venue. So driving on a good night, it's probably about six and a half or seven hours. 
Wow. Oh, yeah. so okay. The Canadians drive down for that one. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And one of those Canadians will be joining us next week. Um, uh, and to keep that on the whole goose train, uh, <laughs> next week, we're going to have Mr. Ryan Storm um, of Always Almost There Goose Podcast uh, joining us as we joined his podcast just a month or so ago. He's going to join us because he's at Darien right now. And he's uh, enjoying probably a sweet Tim and Buddy solo on Lion or Grapes. So good for him. Um, <laughs> Nolan, you got anything else for Mr. Brian? I think maybe uh, just a few rapid fire questions. Yes. We yeah, got to end. Him. We got to end every guest episode with some rapid fire. So, it's okay. You already answered one of them, I believe. Favorite song, Jimmy thing? Probably, yeah. Okay. All right. Favorite album? Under the Table and Dreaming. Okay. All right. All right. For me, I've got to go with what is your... If you had to choose, what would be the song you would want Trey to guest on with DMB? Um, and don't don't go Jimmy thing. If you were going to a show um, besides Jimmy thing, what would you want to see if Trey showed up? Kind of like you showed up at Radio City and you didn't go. <laughs> I don't regret it. Um, the, wow. I'm trying to think. There's a song. I can't place the title. It's on Before These Crowded Streets. On the album, it's got a really kick-ass guitar solo, very gritty. Uh, I'll have to get back to you on that. Um, but I, since I can't do that in real time, I guess I would have to say um, The Last Stop. Oh. I, just think, I just think there's room for it. Why not? Yes. Let Trey shred on Last Stop. Right. I'm down. They don't even play that song. So, yeah, get Trey up there and get Last Stop played. If they I think there's room for Trey. rock and roll. Yeah, if they played it with Trey. It wouldn't be half stop. It'd be the full stop. Yeah, they would have to play it. They they cut the jam from it. Um, oh, really? The last time, whenever year that was that they played it. Yeah. 19, maybe, Nolan? Yeah. And they just, yeah. it was like, okay, Dave, you're giving a nod, I guess, sort of. But you're also just like, yeah, I just don't really feel like playing the whole thing. Uh, favorite venue you've been to for any band? For any band ever? Uh, yeah. I would either... I think Madison Square Garden is the obvious answer, uh, but I'll try and be a little more exotic. I'll say Red Rocks. Hmm. Ah, lovely. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna get some people uh, riled up about that one because D and B like doesn't ever play there. Um, oh, well, yeah. they do or have. I know because that it's been those eighteen years. Never, never left my car. Live at Red Rocks is one of <laughs> yes. the greatest live albums ever released. So twenty eight yes. years ago, it's unreal. Yeah. Unreal. I was going to ask, um, what is your, and this may be a tough one, what is your favorite show ever? And it could be, you know, obviously it's likely a fish show, but what is like your favorite show ever? And then to pack off of that, since we have a lot of DMB fans that probably hate fish or maybe looking kind of curious, what show would you recommend them listen to uh, from fish that is like kind of, not not the crazy where they're playing Kung and all that stuff. Right, right. Um, but uh, you, yeah, know, more you, you know what I'm talking about. Show, yeah. Um, well, the one of the best shows I've ever seen, I'll do a quick double hit because I don't want to overdo it on Fish if if a lot of Dave Matthews Band, well, Dave Matthews Band fans don't love them. But my first Fish show was December 29th, 1997 at Madison Square Garden. Changed my life. Uh, but other than that, 
uh, the best show that I've ever seen is Radiohead at Bonnaroo in 2006. Ooh. And that also changed my life at that time. That was one of the best concerts I've ever seen. Um, An alien came and abducted my brain and brought it to a dragon sculpture that was shooting blue flames out of its nostrils. And that was after the music. <laughs> so that was that was pretty freaking great. Um, yeah, no wonder it was your favorite. Yeah, well, after that was my morning jacket was playing a late night set. Oh, and I just wow. followed my ears over to them like a like a Looney Tunes character who follows the snows with the the, uh, sure. the scent going into its nose and they're floating. That was me late night at Bonnaroo after uh, Radiohead. <laughs> Uh, but as far as a fish concert goes to kind of introduce or break some ground, I would suggest that any fan, I'll say 12 December, that is December 28th, 1990. I think early fish, early nineties fish, cause they're entirely focused on their songs. They are not really jamming unless there's an extended guitar solo. Uh, they are not, you're not going to hear 26 minutes of aimless noodling or some abstract weird song that you'll never want to play again. Uh, I would say go Esther. to the early nineties. Yeah. If you're not, well, you might hear Esther, but no, no. I'm not no. a fan of Esther. It's a big controversial opinion on my part. A lot of people hate me. Fish fans are hating on me. Cause I am not a big fan of Esther. That song. I was like, Bruce, I'm going to give fish a chance. And I've yeah, but you went on- to fish radio and you didn't let me do it. Well, I heard Esther and immediately turned it off. That was one of the worst things I've heard. Uh, but I do like a few fish songs. Um, so, you know, I won't I won't trash them too much. Um, but anyone yeah. listening, if you're fish curious, uh, go to the early 90s. I'd say uh, 12, 28, December 28th, 1990, which I think is in New York City uh, at I forget the name of the vendor, the Paramount. I can't remember. Or 7, July 25th, 1992 in Charlottesville at a town called Trax, um, at yeah. a venue called Trax, T-R-A-X. Oh. That was one of my favorite shows ever. That's, that's where d played. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's, again, it's first fish, it's digestible, uh, but you're not going to get caught up in one song taking up, you know, 40 minutes and getting bored with it. Oh, darn. Okay, is it my turn? I got one. Yeah. Okay. Why is goose better than fish? Go. <laughs> Trick question. Lemmy is God. Oh yeah. my God. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, Brian's <laughs> not done with his with his um baptism by the other Brian just yet. So um I don't I don't think he's gonna be full on converted until until fish retires or Trey just winds up disintegrating into actual sand one day. <laughs> I do have a real one. Okay. Uh yeah. what do you think is Trey's best Trey and Dave's best moment together? Live moment together. Personally, it would be at for me, Riviera Maya in 2022, because I was there for that one. And the name of my podcast is Attendance Bias. So I think it's go. the best one there. Uh also because they played the maker together, which I think although I am not religious in the slightest sense, I do think it's a very good song and I think they fit very well together with it. And I loved it so much. Other than that, it's probably that show that you mentioned earlier of January 26, 1995. All right. Awesome. Love I love that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And speaking, since you, you mentioned it again, quickly plug the podcast again before we get you out of here and we get on out um, and, you know, give the people another little quick rundown because it's, it's such a clever name because it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> well, thank you again, both of you for having me. The name of my podcast is Attendance Bias. You could find it anywhere. There are podcasts. It's on, you know, all the different apps and providers. And it's just an opportunity for storytelling and for music analysis. It's 99.9% about fish, but there's also that 0.1% that is about that Radiohead show, actually, that whole Bonnaroo weekend. So if you want to hear that full story, you could find that one. Uh, and as mentioned throughout this episode, uh, there's a kind of a mini three-part series about Goose, where I'm not really a huge Goose fan, but they're getting such press, I guess, such social media press from people who are into music that I like. So I saw them, didn't love them, want to know what the big deal is about. So we have people from other podcasts, Brian Brinkman and Megan Glyona, professional, wonderful people uh, trying to at least explain to me, if not convert me. Well, eventually kidnap you as well. So um, <laughs> and we'll see what happens. You'll be sitting on stage and they'll make you shave your beard and you'll have a mustache just like Peter. Just like Peter Raspich. <laughs> I'll try. I'm a drummer. Yeah. Okay. 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 So I'll you shave can go my head for that band. guy. Yeah. Shave my head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, if if you if anybody uh, that's listening to us is also kind of fish curious or goose curious, obviously we we rep the G men um, around here. But it, it, that's actually um, his podcast has both, and that that uh, I've listened to the first two episodes of the mini series. The third one's coming soon, um, and it's actually very very informative. It's really cool to hear Brian talk about you know him not being. He's not a gushing goose fan. He's not somebody who is like us and, you know, is loving the Rick shreds and then, um, you know, all of this, that and the other. But he has a lot of um, great points about respecting their songwriting, uh, lyrics, all of this stuff. And he doesn't have a closed mind just yet. He keeps that open mind. So <laughs> those, all of you listeners out there, keep an open mind with fish and goose and then come back at us because that's how you get into good music and you learn uh, way more good bands and musicians than just, than just Dave and the boys. Very true. Well said, Bruce <laughs> and uh, Brian, thanks for joining us, man. Had a great time. Hopefully we'll see you at Forest Hills next year. That'd be so oh. much fun. I'd love it. And I would recommend much like Red Rocks, everyone's favorite venue uh, or the gorge, for example, Forest Hills stadium if I could do a quick hometown plug, is a place yeah. to go. If you see anyone who is mildly interesting, it's almost worth going to see the venue as it is to see whoever is playing it. We love that. And if not, then yeah. SPAC, because Nolan still needs to go, and I want to go badly. So uh, go back badly. So, um, yeah, maybe we can make that one happen. But uh, we'll have to see. And, uh, yeah, that Forest Hills one is super tempting. Maybe if they could do two nights there. Um, that would be, that would be pretty cool. Um, I'm sure there's, um, you know, somewhere in the Ivy that Nolan and I could sleep at some point, uh, for those, or those benches, that would be cool. But yeah, thanks again, Brian. We really appreciate it. Um, he's available obviously on social media as well at attendance bias, I believe yeah. Twitter and Instagram. Okay. Yep. Um, perfect. And you can find his podcast just like he found ours anywhere, uh, anywhere else. Give his five stars, give ours five stars. 
And as always, we love you guys. Uh, thank you for four years, four more years, <laughs> and then four more, and then four more. We're going to keep going um, again until they're all 90 years old and we're in our 60s or whatever. Um, so thank you all again so much. Brian, thank you. Nolan, cheers. We'll see you all next time on the Corner Gray Street. We wanted to let you know about Music on the Mountain, a show that will feature Anders Osborne, Dogs in a Pile, and Saints and Liars. This show will be directly after the Divided Sky Foundation's fun run at 2 p.m. on Saturday, May 18th at the base of Akimo Mountain in Ludlow, Vermont. The show is presented by The Phoenix, a national nonprofit organization offering support to those in recovery and anyone impacted by substance use to celebrate recovery. If you're running in the Divided Sky Foundation's fun run, you'll be automatically registered for the show. It's a family-friendly event, and all proceeds from ticket sales and other donations benefit the Divided Sky Foundation. Visit Music on the Mountain, that's musiconthemtn.com, for more info and to get tickets. That's musiconthemtn.com. Hope you enjoy.